You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and I'm delighted to be joined by a very, very special guest. We were just talking off air and I can't believe how long it's been since I last had you on the show. So I'm really sorry about that because I didn't realise <laughs> it was that long. Um, and obviously, uh, you're one of the best in the business and I love chatting to you and um We'll definitely try and make sure that we get it done a little bit more frequently, but the time just flies by. Art De Roche of The Athletic, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me again. Yeah, I, I don't know how many uh, new viewers you've got since last time we spoke. Um, Quite a like, few. Yeah, <laughs> um, around Christmas time last season, uh, just before Emil Smith-Rowe got into the team, into the first team. And uh, obviously he's been, luckily, uh mostly an upward trajectory since then so uh hopefully this show can have a similar kind of impact <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we've got to time it for whenever arsenal go into a little bit of a lull <laughs> yeah. we get together have a chat and hopefully that can be the springboard from which arsenal <laughs> go on and, and deliver lots of success fingers crossed uh, anyway art there's so much sort of talk floating around the arsenal at the moment it was obviously a really really difficult january um made even more difficult by the fact that we had players missing for various reasons, COVID cases, AFCON, suspensions of our own making, an issue of our own making in that instance. First of all, looking back at January, it, it was difficult, but it doesn't feel to me like it was fatal in terms of our hopes for the season. And, and a lot of people tell me that I'm often too positive. It, is that how you look at it? Do you see January... And the, the issues that we had as a bit more of a severe problem and something that we should be maybe or other people should be more alarmed about than maybe I am? Uh, I think it's a difficult one because when you look at it, I think, yes, the Manchester City result was disappointing. The performance was promising, but then not to continue that um, performance into the Nottingham Forest game or either uh, Liverpool game uh, for the League Cup semi-finals. I think those were probably the most disappointing aspects of just the football, if we're looking at January. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, the suspensions, COVID cases um, and injuries played a part in that. But I think as uh, just someone who was watching Arsenal from, say, late December, you would have hoped that would have just carried into January and that didn't happen. And I think that's where you probably have... Um, the benefit of this little break now uh, at the end of January, start of February, before you go into the next run of games. Um, I would say Arsenal have probably missed a few <laughs> a few big chances to to take advantage of of where they are in in the league, um, especially uh, when you're considering the the, the goalless draw against Burnley and and the results elsewhere. Um, the lucky thing is, though, like you say. They're still only two points off fourth at the minute. Um, so they're still within touching distance. So I wouldn't say it's too severe, but you would hope that um, the momentum has picked up very quickly after the break. At the start of the season, 
and obviously we haven't spoken since then. What were your hopes for Arsenal? What what did you think would represent a good and positive season? And I guess progress. Yeah, so uh, at the start of the season, my expectations were Europa League football as a minimum. I think that would have been quite fair, um, given obviously last season was an eighth place finish. Not that that's an acceptable um, uh, position to finish in for Arsenal, but when you consider that and then going into this year, I thought, okay, at least fifth or sixth, and that's cool. We can go and build uh, something from there. I think um, obviously <laughs> Arsenal going um, on that run uh, in, I think it was October and November uh, before that little wobble uh, at Manchester United and Everton um, has put them in a very uh, good position. that I don't think many people would have expected them to be in uh, when the season started, especially after the first three games of the campaign. Um, so, yeah, I think at, at the start of the season, I was uh, expecting Europa League at the minimum. Um, I think that's probably s- still my expectation. Um, obviously, hope would be uh, to challenge properly uh, for the fourth place. Uh, I'm not sure whether I can trust Arsenal enough to say that I expect them to do that. Um, but uh, I think... Europa League minimum is still the expectation. Yeah, and and that's the same for me. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say, well, you know, and and Alex is is in the chat now and 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 says exactly what I was going to say. Forget what we were expecting. We have a chance at fourth. The club needs to reassess and push on. Now, uh, we won't be gifted better chances than this. So bringing it to the transfer window, because of course. Uh, there's a lot of noise around Arsenal. There's a lot of players being linked with Arsenal, as you'll know, as I'm sure uh, you've written plenty of, of stories about. What is your view on this window? And I guess the, tra- the the question I want to put to you is to panic buy or not to panic buy with just a few <laughs> days uh, left in the window. So, yeah, I think Sam in the chat makes a, a really good point about um, Niles. Um People probably know that <laughs> that I I do uh, I am a fan of Maitland-Niles. I think he is a valuable player to have in the squad. Um, the one thing I would say about that situation, though, is that it very much looked like it was almost like a... I know the word is used quite a lot, but like a gentleman's agreement sort of deal um, where... Maitland-Niles was not getting minutes before January. He did start against Watford, I believe, in the midfield and played very well. Um, but outside of that, his only starts were coming in the, in the League Cup. Uh, so you can understand his desire to to go and get minutes, guaranteed minutes, um, so far at, at Roma. Um, but then when, when you do look at that, you need to have <laughs> a replacement or... Uh, just somebody ready to come in. And I think Arsenal have really almost shot themselves in the foot not having that sorted um, early enough. And we've seen the the Arthur Mello saga drag on. And at the minute, it do- it does look unlikely that that's going to happen because of the whole 18-month compared to six-month loan um, agreement that could, couldn't be settled at the minute. Obviously, that could change in the next couple of days. But I think and that is where, especially when you consider um, the the type of players that Arsenal would probably need, I would probably sway towards, again, it's, it's not panic buying, but you need someone who's actually going to add to the squad um, rather than just being a body. We've seen Arsenal do that 
um, numerous times over the years in January uh, windows, especially in midfield. Uh, if you think back a couple of years to Dennis Suarez, <laughs> Kim, Kim Kallstrom, um, and Kim Kallstrom <laughs> as well, they just were bodies who came in. And although Kim Kallstrom scored that penalty in the in the FA Cup. Uh, they didn't offer much else. Uh, I think when you look at the flip side of it, last year Martin Odegaard came in on loan, but he 100% added to the team. And that's why you could see the sense in Arsenal going in for him permanently in the summer. Um, so my kind of, um, I guess, first instinct would be not to panic by, but if you can get someone you know will add to the team. And I know um, the... I guess primary midfield pivot would be Jacker and Partey, but someone who could at least push those guys rather than just a body who can come on for the f- last five minutes of games. Someone who, you know, the drop off from those two isn't going to be too, too much. So you don't have to rely on inexperienced players um, in pressure moments. That's kind of um, what I feel would be the best way to, to look at these ne- next few days of the transfer mm-hmm. window. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and panic buying has put us in the position that we're in. You know, we've, we've gone out, we've bought players in for big amounts of money on big contracts, and then we've not been able to move them on. And it's been a huge, huge problem. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned Arto Mello there and, and the story there with regards to the kind of reasons that that deal looks likely to break down completely. And the report came from David Ornstein, your colleague yesterday. Um What's your understanding of that situation? Because one of the bits that really stood out to me from that report was that Edu had agreed actually to kind of go with the 18 months, but the club's hierarchy were not keen um, is is what it said. What do you make of that? And, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people out there believe that Edu and Arteta have the final say on football matters. So what do you think exactly has gone on there? Yeah, it's, it's it's a strange one because when you especially consider, um, obviously, Mikel Arteta's gone out to, to uh, or went out, I should say, before uh, the trip to Dubai uh, went out to the States. Uh, obviously, he was pictured at the, I think it was hockey. It was a hockey game. Um, and uh, I think probably what it comes down to is, in, in my thoughts, is the amount of spend from the summer. I know that uh, the quoted 40 million wouldn't come out this year um but just having that long i think and then also uh that that amount of spend and then doing it again uh so quickly that's kind of where my mind went to uh in that regard and also i think um with how you look at the the arsenal midfield at the minute i know uh, granite shaka is there and Mikel arteta is a big fan but we can't forget that in the summer Mikel Arteta was not happy, but he would have accepted uh, Granit Xhaka leaving if the right price came in. Um, he obviously did uh, give him a little bit of a longer contract off the back of that. But I think that was more to protect his value than to say you're part of the future. Um, and I think if you're going to look to the future, you'd rather have someone permanent who you actually believe in rather than alone and then decide afterwards after the fact um although that being said if it was me in that position i probably would have uh went for the 18 months and and then see what happens after that um 
so yeah that's kind of my kind of thoughts on that that situation if that makes sense so is it reasonable to say that Arsenal's inactivity in the transfer window so far in your opinion is down to <laughs> it is it's hard because I, I don't want to say it's down to what we spent in the summer and now because we spent so much in the summer that we were going to be more reserved in this window I don't want to say that because we know mm. that Arsenal were interested in Vlavic, which obviously yeah. would have been a, a high value deal. But is it fair to say then at least Arsenal don't want to spend big money unless they're absolutely sure? Yeah, I think that's the the main thing there. The consideration in terms of not just posi- obviously position, but also um, what that player is going to represent in terms of a signing. Obviously, the interest in uh, Vlahovic and Isaac as well. Uh, you buy those players and you pretty know, pretty much know you're set in that position because uh, Aubameyang's future's in doubt. Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah both have contracts expiring at the end of the season. So you know of your three, of your four, I should say, first-team strikers, including Flo Balogun, uh, three of them all are pretty much have their futures in doubt. So you need that position to to um, be solved, basically. You need a resolution there. So that's why I could see probably it being more understandable for them to spend on a striker than a midfielder. Um, and then, as as you say that, uh, that's also why it's a bit more understandable why they might want to be a bit more considered with who they, they uh, go for in the midfield option, especially when you consider, as we mentioned earlier, they already have uh, a pretty... A first choice pairing yeah. in in Partey and Jacker when they are fit and available, which hopefully they will they will be uh, a lot more often uh, in the second half of the season. Yeah, completely agree. And and just to take it back to that Artur point to kind of wrap that up, it's not about the outlay now necessarily. It's about the wages, right? Because you could only assume that for Juventus to allow him to go out on loan for eighteen months there's got to be some benefit to them. And that benefit is that they get him off of the, the wage bill. Um, of course, this Dubai training camp is, is something that me and you both probably think is, is quite welcome at this moment in time, bit of warm weather. We could do with a bit of that here uh, and an opportunity for the side to kind of regroup and, and, and kind of re-energize after a really difficult period of January that turned into a bit of a slog. Aubameyang's not gone on the trip from what we know. Um, I find it a little bit strange that Aubameyang, with no deal imminent uh, that we know of anyway, that sees him leave the club, that he's been left behind and Jack Wilshere's gone, a player who we know is is hoping to secure a move somewhere in the next couple of weeks. What, what you, what's your take on the Aubameyang situation, first of all, overall? It, it, it just feels to me like the longer this goes on, the more difficult it becomes for him to, to come back and from what you know, is is an exit strategy being discussed? Is that the plan, I guess? Yeah, when you look at, I guess, if we rewind <laughs> back to when it first kind of happened, um, the whole, I guess, debate was how long can this go on? Because uh, it was just before Arsenal had their, I think it was the games against uh, Norwich on Boxing Day. And then obviously he would have had to, uh, leave for AFCON with uh, Gabon and you thought would he get back into the side before then he obviously didn't and I think as you mentioned the longer that it stretch, stretches on you just see um, 
less clarity <laughs> with the situation. Um, I think, and I don't want to make it as a direct comparison, but um, the way the Mesut Ozil situation is just drug on, drug on, drug on. You don't want the same to happen, I don't think, if, if you're Arsenal, um, especially if um, he is an asset that you can actually get money for. Um, if it was me, uh, I would either get him back into the team but around the squad because we all know that just because a player has, I guess, uh, been taken out for disciplinary reason, it doesn't mean that's the end of their Arsenal career. We've seen it with Granit Xhaka, who's the prime example. I know there was a change of manager there that helped him, but he's an example of that. If we're looking at the flip side to the Ozil situation, there's that to look at. Um, so I, I just feel like, especially given uh, the striker, the, the the mess of the whole striker situation, um, the, I feel like a resolution is needed sooner rather than later. Um, but and in terms of exit stra- strategies, I haven't, uh, me particularly, I haven't uh, heard anything other than what's been reported, obviously, um, that is out there. Um, I haven't heard anything too in particular about what, what the thoughts are around that. It's interesting because you, you mentioned the Granite Xhaka example, and I, I bring that up quite a bit. And I get slated for it because, as you know, there's a lot of Arsenal fans out there that are just done with Granit Xhaka. And, you know, he, for example, he got accused of being the guy involved in the yellow card scandal without anybody actually knowing that it was him. It's just it, it, the, the narrative with Granit Xhaka is, is one that you can predict pretty much every time. But speaking on, on the particulars of players being taken out of the side and then coming back in, the player has to be willing, right? And you can only assume that Aubameyang has not been willing, has not been willing to either apologise or whatever it is that, to do whatever it is that Mikel Arteta wants him to do to get back in the side because he's been radio silent on the entire situation. A, a bit, you know, Mesut Ozil was, was kind of making digs and was, you know, quite active on social media and kind of kept people guessing as to what was going on. But the Aubameyang silence is is what I find really strange because it's impossible to try and understand what might have gone on here. I mean, I don't believe that he just went to see his mum and returned a little bit late. Do you? You know, surely he's come back and maybe he's been disciplined and not responded in the right way. I don't know, but there's got to be more to it, right? Well, when it happened, it wasn't just that incident in isolation. If if you remember the um, Arsenal statement, it was... Uh, the word in, I can't remember the exact word in, but it was about his latest um, disciplinary, I guess, uh, action, I guess we'll call it. Um, so it wasn't just that in isolation. So it was more uh, a buildup of events rather than just that one situation. And I think in terms of Aubameyang silence, I wouldn't say I read too much into that because if you are looking at the situation, especially from the outside, I'm not sure you would want the player himself to be or if you are the player I, I'm not sure you would want to be too vocal <laughs> especially when when you're still almost in the in the midst of everything happening um, I know it's probably a little bit dangerous because other people can talk about it and frame it how they want to but um, if you do believe you're innocent in that in that case then I think just biding your time 
until the the, the I guess justice is, is probably the word we'll call it comes comes over. I think that's probably the way to go because as well you wouldn't want to be viewed as someone who is just making trouble for the sake of it. I don't on think the, that... on the flip side of that though, Art, if if I were a Bamiyang, I might not be talking about that situation. But what's wrong with come on boys or you know posting after I don't know the Man City game, great performance, unlucky not to get the result. That kind of thing would at least I think show the fans that he is still interested or still mm. engaged. Because right now, the fact that he is keeping quiet, some people, you know, Yo-Yo in the chat says, Obey is being respectful by not speaking. I, I'm not I'm not saying that I want him to speak about that incident. I'm not saying that I want him to come out and give a, an explosive interview and, you know, reveal all. I don't expect that. But it just feels right now that he's the he was the club captain and he's completely disengaged from everything Arsenal at this moment in time. Training alone, going off to the AFCON early. It, it just feels like there is really no way back. And like you said, when you consider the striking situation, it's really hard to get your head around how we can kind of afford for this to happen. Yeah, I, I do get that point. But again, I just don't really... Maybe this is me being a bit too... Um, I'm not sure what the word is, um, too laid back about it, but I don't really see too much issue with him being silent on social media. Mm. Uh, I think that's probably the least of his worries at the minute. So uh, even, and again, just because he doesn't post on social media doesn't mean that he he isn't still in contact with players who are his friends. Uh, I mean, we saw... Uh, when he was uh, suspended um, two seasons ago, uh, after just after Mikel Arteta took charge, um, and Martinelli was the player who took his place, he was still very, um, even though he wasn't playing, he was very supportive of him mm. in public, and I'm sure he was even more supportive uh, in private. So I don't think the radio silence on just social media in terms of Arsenal saying not saying, oh, great performance there, here, there. I, I don't really see too much importance in that, if I'm being totally honest. And I think it's probably a wise move either way. You look at it because people would probably misinterpret <laughs> misinterpret his tweets or whatever. Anyway, oh, yeah, there's always um... that danger nowadays. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But d- to take it towards Mikel Arteta then, because... People in the chat would say that I'm I'm trying to kind of scapegoat Aubameyang. I, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. We're trying to have a, a balanced discussion and I'm trying to see both sides of it. So for the purpose of balance, is there a concern in your mind with the way that Mikel Arteta seems to repeatedly fall out with players or have these issues? Some of them have happened and, and players have bounced back. Um, you know, if, if you look at a few scenarios, you know, Nicola Pepe was someone that Mikel Arteta criticised quite publicly, but then he ended up back in the team after that and was performing quite well at the back end of last season. Is there a concern that Mikel Arteta is a bit too much of a disciplinarian and and is running that really thin or running the risk of alienating players that could actually be of use to him and as a consequence cutting his nose off to spite his face at times? I think there is an element of that because when Obviously, the Aubameyang situation now is the prime example. Uh, I know he wasn't performing particularly well when uh, 
when this all kicked off, but he's still a quality striker at the end of the day. And then when you look back to, again, the Mesut Ozil situation and Matteo Guendouzi too, they're players who could be of use to you. Um, and I think that's where maybe there is a sense, I guess it could be a little bit harsh at times. Um, but again, if you're looking at the situation as a whole, he has set that kind of standard from the moment he walked in the door. Mm. I, I don't think he's really dropped off from uh, the the demands he, he was asking for when uh, he first spoke as Arsenal head coach at the time um, and laid all his demands out uh, for everyone to see. And people who have been able to uh, meet those demands have, have stayed in his good books and that's not a surprise. Um, so I think it is definitely a, a different way of uh, managing a squad from what Arsenal have been used to, especially with under Arsene Wenger, who was a lot more um, soft is the wrong word again, but had the softer elements of management to his uh, disposal, more so yeah. than Arteta at the minute. And I think maybe that's something that over time um, is something that can be learned a bit more. Um, but I think especially when you consider the, the amount of turnover that's happened um, at Arsenal since Arteta took charge, I think he's probably been very keen to, to stick by his demands and principles until he, he feels totally comfortable um, with, with the squad that he's got. Yeah, no, great points. Great points indeed. Uh, let's get a few questions in. Uh, before we let Art go, we're going to take uh, a couple of questions. We're going to throw them at Art. Uh, it, while you're doing that, uh, just make sure that you do hit the like button. There's over 400 of you with us live right now across the multiple platforms. And we've only got about 60 odd likes on the board. We can easily hit the 100 mark. It shouldn't be an issue. So please do hit that like button if you haven't done so already. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, while we wait for a couple of questions to, to come in, Art, I've got one for you. What are you expecting to happen? Are you expecting anything to happen between now and the end of the transfer window with regards to Arsenal? Honest answer is I don't know. <laughs> but I hope so. Um, I think when you look at the squad at the minute, and I, I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, uh, the fact that this is the best chance they have to get top four. That's completely true. And I think this is where the season can be decided. Um, you need reinforcements, especially in midfield. Uh, even if it's not a, a first choice option, someone to help uh, bring a bit more experience and quality as well. I think that's the main word. We know there's, I guess, an experienced option in Mohamed Elneny when he comes back from AFCON, but you want someone who's got a bit more quality on the ball. Um, and I think that's the big thing. You need to find someone who, who can actually bring something to the table for the next five months, four months. Um, and if they do, if they do that, I think, um, my expectations will rise a bit, but at the minute I'm still quite reserved on what I expect from this Arsenal team from the rest of the season, just because of how threadbare they can be at times. And I think that that would probably be their main downfall. Um, but I, I also would say it's their own fault for getting this far through the window without uh, any solutions on the table as of yet. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Harry Thomas says, uh, do you think, uh, hi, guys. Quick question, Art and H. Do you think Arthur 
or Douglas Luiz is a better fit for Arsenal? Do you think the Napoli striker fits what we need? Victor Osimhen he's talking about. So let's let's break that into two. Um, Douglas Luiz, player that Arsenal being linked with again. We heard today that Aston Villa have received an offer, but it wasn't from Arsenal. It was from another Premier League club. Is he somebody that came into your thoughts prior to the, the links kind of doing the rounds? <laughs> is he someone you'd like to see come to the club? I think it makes sense because obviously he was at Manchester City when Arteta was there and Arteta was a big fan of him when they were both at Manchester City. Um, in terms of style, I think it's just, I, I wonder how he would be used. Um, I doubt he would come in as a starter and I'm not sure how he would take that because even though um, Jacob Ramsey has been starting a bit more for Aston Villa, uh, he he's been a key part of their team since um, since they were promoted in 2019. Um, stylistically, between him and Arthur Mello, I think they're very quite similar. But um, I, I don't really see two. I think out of those two, maybe I would say Arthur is probably the one that I would prefer stylistically. I just feel like he's probably got a bit more to him <laughs> than Douglas Luiz. I feel like Arthur would bring us more quality on the ball, but my yeah. big worry with him is physicality mm. and and getting around the pitch and and living up to the kind of pace of the Premier League. That's my, yeah. you know, as a big Serie A fan, that's my big concern with Arthur. Do you mm. share that, or, or or you not so worried about well, it? So when like when you watch him, the the big thing is um, how good he is in tight spaces. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and it is, but it is also a concern in the back of your mind. Can you do that in the Premier League? Um, I think, I think he would be able to. Um, I know he is quite a, a small guy, but I, I do think he would be able to surpass that kind of test um, mm. in England. Um, obviously, Douglas Louise has played consistently in the, in the Premier League, so so you, you almost know a bit more of what you're getting with him. Um, but I. I I do think that even though you have that almost familiarity, I, I do think that Arta is still probably the one that I, I would lean towards. Mm. No, good stuff. Uh, let's take one more question and before I let you go, mate. And um, the one I wanted to put to you is is the striker question. A lot of people got their hopes up. Dusan Vlavic <laughs> was the primary target. That has obviously... Uh, ended in tears from an Arsenal perspective. <laughs> and we're now being linked with the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Alexander Isak, Jonathan David. There's a whole host of names being mentioned. Luka Jovic of Real Madrid. Now, I don't think that we're going to get any of those deals over the line between now and the end of the month. But which one would be your preference? If you had an open checkbook and you could go out there and bring in any of the strikers that we've been linked to so far, who's the one that to you jumps out? For me, um, I I think when you're looking at the stylistic play, I know a lot of people recently, especially in the last couple of days, have been uh, big on the Calvert-Lewin train because he offers, I guess, the complete opposite to Lacazette at the minute. He's someone who is a target and is very um, present in the box. But for me, I I just feel like um, Isaac is someone who gives me a, a vibe. <laughs> um, I feel like um, when you're looking at traditional Arsenal strikers uh, in, in the Premier League era, at least, 
um, that especially under Arsene Wenger, very tall, but still very graceful in the way they move. And I know uh, Isaac's um, scoring record this season is what people are using to say he's not the guy. He's only scored four goals in the league this season. Um, but he is someone that I, I think is probably um, more aligned to what an Arsenal striker is. And also, I, so I would say he's probably my number one preference. And then Jonathan David would be my number two preference because of what he offers off the ball. I think he, uh, when you look at what Arteta's demanded from his strikers since coming in, it's not just been about holding up play and linking, uh, linking with other players. It's been about the pressing as well. And I think he excels at that and has obviously um, proven he's a, a, a very good finisher with Leal since moving there from uh, Genk in, I think, 2020 it was. <laughs> um, so I think um, Knowledge. My, Knowledge. <laughs> uh, my number one would be Isaac, just out of pure kind of stylistic. Um, and then my number two would be David. Uh, and I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that those two are, are the two strikers that Arsenal have tracked um, over the longest amount of time. Obviously, I think, uh, I'm not sure about Isaac, but definitely David was was being uh, looked at before the pandemic even started. So uh, those are my my two. Brilliant stuff. Art, thank you so much, mate. I know you're super busy uh, during the transfer window. It's great to uh, have you on and have the opportunity to speak to you. And hopefully we can do it more often. Um, let everybody know where they can find your work, where they can follow you, because it is excellent. And they're missing out if they're not. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so I'm probably most active on Twitter. Um, my handle's there, at Art de Roche. Um, and yeah, I'm obviously an Arsenal writer at The Athletic Uh my stuff's probably uh, a bit different to David and James and Amy. Uh, I mix a bit of the under 23s and women's teams in there as well. Um, and I also <laughs> outside of like football related stuff, I do stream uh, PS2 games and stuff on Twitch. <laughs> so, so oh, PS2, you're taking yeah, it back, man. Yeah. So, so if people uh, want to get involved with that, um, I think my Twitch is AJ DeRoche. Um, so you'll be able to find it there. Okay. I'll, I usually tweet before I go out and play and stuff. So, so, so what yeah, kind of, that. What, what kind of games are you playing on there? Because <laughs> I, I was thinking about this the other day, right? I, I think mm. I was going through some old some old stuff and I found some like PS3 games and and I remember like them being so good at the time. But every time I seem to put them on, they just look yeah. like absolute trash <laughs> to me now. But but they were so fun and good at the time that you kind of have to remember, don't you, that they yeah. were at that time. So what, what sort of games are you playing and um, and how's it all going? Yeah, so on on the PS2, uh, I've been playing through the Harry Potter games. Um, I know anyone that follows me on Twitter will know I'm, <laughs> I'm quite a big Harry Potter fan. Um, so luckily I, I kept all the games and the console and stuff. Uh, so like, yeah, I've just been playing through those. And then I've also got, uh what have i got there i've got some of the pro evo games but those those were a bit those were very clunky when i tried them out again um (laughs) uh, and then i'm also playing spider-man on the ps5 (laughs) um so those are a a few of the games that i've been playing um and yeah people think they'd be uh 
I don't know. If people think they'd enjoy that, then then we can we we can join in and, and play. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to check that out because I, I'm really <laughs> interested to see what they look like nowadays. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it, and um, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Cheers. All the best, mate. That was the brilliant Art De Roche of the Athletic joining me for the first half of the show to talk all things Arsenal, the transfer window. Good to get his opinions, his his views on some of the topics that we've been discussing recently. Uh, he talked about Aubameyang, he talked about the transfer window, he talked about Mikel Arteta. Is he too much of a disciplinarian at times? Lots of interesting discussion there. But we're going to continue for a little bit longer. We're going to take some of your questions from the chat. Well, I'm going to take some of your questions from the chat. Keep them coming. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't hit the like button, please do so. We've managed to hit 104 likes, but there's over 400 of you watching. So why can't we hit 200? There's no reason why we shouldn't. Please do hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, if you're listening to us via the audio platforms, we're going to take a short pause for a message with regards to our sponsor. Okay, let's uh, let's pick up where we left off. Lots of you throwing some classic uh, PS2 game titles into the chat, uh, following Art's uh, Art's little plug there. Do you know what? I didn't even know he did that, and I will check it out now because um, I'm really interested to see how some of the games that, as a kid, I thought were amazing look in 2022. Um, you know, they always say that you shouldn't go back. Like sometimes I've I've been sitting with the kids and I've put on a cartoon that I used to watch when I was a kid and I used to think was the bee's knees and it's actually awful. Uh, <laughs> brilliant stuff. Uh, right. Let's, um, let's take some of your questions at uh, Jid has put a question in there. Let me just scroll back and see if I can find it. The chat updates so quickly that I often miss things. Oracle, uh, in the meantime says, uh, excellent show. Cody Gakpo would be my preferred forward. If we can't get anyone else, Unreal footballer, does the club have any interest in him by any chance? Thank you, first of all, for your very, very kind super chat donation. There are rumours doing the rounds with regards to Cody Gakpo. Um, but as I said on the show earlier today, he's not a player I know an awful lot about. And it, and again, as I tend to do, if the interest really ramps up, if we get to the point where that deal looks like it's a goer, then we will get someone on who's an expert in that field. And, and discuss it in a little bit more detail. I'm always kind of wary, though, of getting sucked into these stories and going too big on players that we may or may not actually be interested in. Um, where is uh, where is Jid's question? Let me just pick that out from the chat box. Uh, if it lets me go back that far. You might have to type it again, mate. I know you've put it in twice. So sorry, uh, but I will uh, pick it up if you drop it in there again. Right. Um do, 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 do. Uh, where was it? That was a good one here. Fabrizio Romano talked about City buying Julian Alvarez to send him out on loan for now. Could Arsenal be interested? Well, Arsenal obviously, I don't want to say have a good relationship with Man City, but Mikel Arteta has a good relationship with Man City. But I don't imagine that they'd give us Julian Alvarez. Um, and, and you know what? For all the kind of niceties that seem to be shared between City and Arsenal uh, since Mikel Arteta took the job, obviously coming from there. I tell you what, that game we played <laughs> just after the new year was feisty. You know, it's probably as feisty as an Arsenal and Manchester City game has ever been. So I don't know that they'd be too willing to help us at this moment in time. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Ball and banter says, Harry, if we don't buy anyone... 
and don't sell any more players and reintegrate Oba, do you think the top four would be achievable? Yeah, I think I think it is achievable. I think if we can keep everybody fit, and when I say everybody fit, I mean having the majority of this team I'm about to name available, and that's Ramsdale in goal, Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel Tierney, Xhaka, Partey, Odegaard, Martinelli or Smith-Rowe, Saka and Lacazette. I think if that team is fit and available with one game a week, no Europe, no Cups, of course, then I think we stand a chance of making the top four. I don't think we're favourites by any stretch of the imagination. I still make Manchester United the favourites um, to finish in fourth place. But we have a chance, and, and that is more than I thought we would have at the start of the season. So that's why I'm not panicking as much as other people. But the thing with Aubameyang, it, it looks like it's it's dead. It looks like the relationship between Aubameyang and Arsenal is so broken. I just can't see them going back uh, on that one. So uh, I'd be really surprised if he was reintegrated. But I'm not against it because we need him and we could do with him and we could do with somebody who is going to uh, add more goals. We could do with a slightly different option up front. And I think Aubameyang gives you a lot more on the transition or in the transition because of his pace um, and, and the way he likes to play off the shoulder. It's very different to Lacazette. But, you know, overall for the style we play, obviously Lacazette is the better fit. But, you know, I'm going around in circles here. It's nice to have a different option. And obviously we're a stronger squad with him in it than without him in it. Um, Jid32 says, don't you think it's wiser to buy a striker in the summer to allow players like Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe to get used to scoring goals so we can have a squad with multiple goal scorers? Yeah, I do. I think it's important that those guys contribute. I think it's important that they, um, you know, they, they play their part. I think it's important that we get goals from all around the team. That was one of our big problems last season. Because outside of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe, the goal returns of of the, those players you've mentioned were very average. And, and that obviously was a problem for us. So it is important that they score goals. But I still think to go to that next level, you need a striker contributing uh, more goals than Lacazette is currently uh, to give you that little push over the line. Snake Eye says, Harry, do you do member streams? We don't really do member streams. I've got to be honest. Um, at the moment with the membership, you obviously get the opportunity to come on the members podcast and we do need to get back to making members content. Um, we will do that. We're, we're definitely going to do it. They might not be live streams, though, uh, just because of work and, and all the timings and stuff. But we're definitely going to get back to the members content. And what we're going to do with the members content is we're going to let you dictate what it is. That's why I want you, if you are a member, to make sure that you are part of the Discord server so you don't miss any of the conversations and uh, and you can have your input as well. Uh, Wayne says, uh, big up, Harry. Found the cap. Wicked. <laughs> Glad to hear it, man. He says, don't you think it's best to wait till the summer window instead of buying just any striker to pay but over a crack? Yeah. I've been beating that drum, um, you know, for the last couple of weeks now. I, I don't want people to go out or I don't want the club to go out and blow crazy amounts of money on someone they're not entirely sure about. And I think although this window has been incredibly frustrating up until now, I think the fact that they got so many transfers right in the summer, for me, buys them this window or, or buys them the trust uh, that they're doing what they can and that they're making the right decision with regards to some of the players we've been linked with in this window or, or at least have tried for the players that they feel are right. And if that doesn't happen, then then we we live the way we are and we move forward. So uh, yeah, what I'm saying is I think what they did well in the summer 
has almost bought them the right to say back off if you're giving me shit this window. Um, but obviously that only has a, a certain kind of uh, bo- uh, lifespan, if you like. And, uh, and I'm sure that if we fail to do business this window, significant business, and we end up missing out on the top four, a lot of people will look at those guys. And, and that's something that we're going to have to deal with when we get there. You know, you cross that bridge when you come to it. Just going to take one more question uh, before we leave you. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Let's see what we've got. Um, Aditya says that Gwenduzi and Saliba are ballers already contracted with the club and Arteta doesn't recall them. Don't take, doesn't take a Bamiang on the USA tour. It's such piss poor management. Arsenal are in a dire situation with Mikel. Well, Gwenduzi couldn't be recalled because the deal is in place for Marseille to sign Matteo Gwenduzi at the end of the season. Matteo Gwenduzi is not coming back to Arsenal. Forget that. It's not going to happen. He's he's done. Attitude issues, obviously issues that Mikel Arteta didn't like. The relationship between the two is 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 poor, um, as we've we've come to learn. And I'm not sure that Matteo Genduzzi is an upgrade on any of our first choice central midfielders. I really don't think he is. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think he will get better if he can curb his kind of um, sort of if he can reduce those moments where he loses his head, reduce those moments where he gets sucked into things that he just really shouldn't and focus solely on his game. And as for William Saliba, who it's been reported this week is actually very keen and excited about the prospect of coming back from our, for to Arsenal. I think we've done the right thing in loaning him out. If they decided at the time that he wasn't ready to play, wasn't ready to be thrown straight into the mix, why not let him go and get first team football in a high pressured environment like Marseille? He'll come back a better player for it. Mark my words. And I think with with Saliba, the thing that's always frustrated me about it is the way people have been so big on him, um, yet they've hardly seen him play. And they definitely haven't seen him play in an Arsenal shirt. So, yeah, it's weird. Weird that people are are really obsessed with Saliba. Uh, Look, as... um, as Brandon says in the chat, it's a, apparently it's a dire situation. We're sitting two points off a fourth with a game in hand, two games in hand over fifth. Uh, Spurs are the only team that have an advantage on us in that sense. Uh, Afsar says, come on, Harry Gwenduzi is better than Elneny. It didn't say he wasn't. I said uh, of our first choice midfield, which is Xhaka and Partey for me. Um, I'm not sure that Gwenduzi is, you know, all right, Xhaka has his moments and a lot of you would disagree with this, but I don't think he's going to perform consistently at the level that that Xhaka can um because I think that those stupid moments I think Guendouzi's got them in him too and I think we saw that and I think Marseille will tell you that as well and I think anybody that watches him on a regular basis will say that he can be quite erratic too so the Guendouzi thing is done he's not coming back forget it and William Saliba I believe will come back a better player for having um for having had some time out and for having uh, played first team football for another entire season at a high level, remember, because obviously he was at Saint Etienne previously, spent some time with Nice, was it? Um, but now is playing at Marseille, and and Marseille is a is a pressure cooker of an environment. They're a really big club. The expectation is very high. They're not at the level that they want to be, just like Arsenal. But the pressure is there, and so it's quite a good replica in terms of the environment in which he's working. 
Right, going to leave it there. Um, going to leave it there. I will catch up with you all tomorrow with another stream. Maybe we'll have some good news to talk about. Who knows? Uh, don't forget to hit that like button if you haven't done so already. Let's at least get to 150 likes. I wanted a couple of hundred, but we're not going to get there in, in the space of uh, 30 seconds while the outro plays. We can, however, get to 150. In fact, we're just 15 away. So please do smash that like button, get involved, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and we'll be back very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.